Welcome to the Business of Sound. On today's episode, we have a special guest, one of my favorite creators at Pure Class Box, Jerry Colbert. Jerry is a co-creator uh, who smarted, and in his past life, which he didn't speak about today, he was also a producer and one of the co-creators of Brain Geeks. Um, previous to that as well, or maybe simultaneous to that, he has also produced such stellar shows as Queer Eye, in addition to Eat. So excited to have Gary today, and then we have a great conversation. Great to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're glad you're here. Yeah, please do. Well, I guess one question I have just to kind of kick off the conversation is, why did you tr- decide to transition into podcasting from TV, or is that even the right way to frame it? Sure, I, I would refer to it a little bit. I'd say we've actually added podcasting to our television work. So, you know, for the first decade of the Tom's existence, we were we were really strictly a, a streaming and television company, working with you know national big rapid discovery companies like that. Uh, all of our shows are, are science and education based. Uh, so, when the pandemic hit, we couldn't really shoot anything because all of our shows involved volunteers, and it was just very unsafe. Possible for to to shoot, and so. The, the show that we've done uh, just before that happened was a show called Brainchild, and work that we did for Netflix. I mean, it was a, ch- a children's uh, science series, a 13-episode show that taught kids about everything from science to psychology. And we kept saying, well, we're making it, so we make a great podcast. But the TV producers never really stopped to take the time to look into to make the podcast. Or suddenly, we had the gift of time, you know. That's in the first 2020. And so we thought, you know, we have these, these this amazing team of writers on racers. We have this idea, and let's launch We Smarted, then, but then see how it goes. And it was a was the perfect show for the time because it, it helped kids get off screens. It helped give parents a, a break and uh, let the kids do something educational. Uh, and then it just blew up, and, and it kept growing even after after all the COVID the research have ended. And we love doing it so much. Um, it's so different than television because the television, you have no direct relationship with the audience. You make your shuttle. The network does an amazing job marketing it and distributing it. And with podcasting, we were just getting us incredible feedback directly from the areas of kids. And we hear it for everyone with it. And I was up on that and the whole actually engage in the audience was something we'd never experience. And they went absolutely like a life-changing in terms of our, of our experience of making the show. So just for the benefit of the audience, almost like a recap, Tomic Entertainment is the holding company. Yeah. And literally your first word of the podcasting was, it was smarter, that's great. Which is a smash get for anyone wondering. Good, but yeah, I mean, uh, so we, we really cry ourselves on making great shows. And then, uh, we looked at the landscape of, of kids podcasting, we were thinking about because, you know, they're always looking, like, well, are we, we don't want to do something, so I was learning to do it. And there's some great kids show out there, but nobody was doing like a really short, 15-minute, fun, merit-driven size and string podcast. And so the bat was that was always what we wanted to do. And I think we sort of hit the magic kind of intersection of making a great show that filled a need. And that need was uh, car rides, bedtime, sure. uh, morning, you know, a little morning break of wake and ring for school, a show that could fit into. Uh, into the family's lives, right? You didn't have to sit down for an hour and make time for it, but you did could squeeze the star show and under your school. We were podcasting. So, yeah. And anywhere, lean in, lean back, you may have it. I think I know the answer to this question, maybe, but I would love to hear how your TV experience has helped you and your team develop 
this podcast and work on? Sure, absolutely. That's a great question. Uh, we we think of Swearer as television without the, without the screen. And so uh, what a lot of people actually tell us that when they when they listen to it, they feel like uh, they very kids feel like they're listening to a cartoon that just doesn't have pictures. And so uh, our sound designer Josh Hahn does does an amazing job of like bringing last life and sound effects of the worldscapes, world building, and uh, and then also in terms of the the narrative, like we just have so much experience and like great stories, and our, our writers and, and actors have such great experience bringing to play. So um, I think a lot of what we know about TV has this come to play. Liz, I think if we didn't have that background, we would maybe that maybe the show wouldn't have been as as like lushly produced with audio, but. Yeah, I think that's really formative. The skill set translates well. I, I can't. Really, I can't say I'm surprised to hear that. Yeah. Okay, so obviously this is a smash hit, smash hit show. It's growing like a weed. We're obviously enthusiastic to be your partner in the business with you. But do you see an opportunity for adaptations? And if so, what kind? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we definitely see that. Who's smart? For sure, will will become an animated series of play, uh, and. You know, I think one of the things that was really interesting to us about Glass Spots when we were speaking to you was how much you think about that up front, uh, both about uh, whether there's existing IP to be created on the show or thinking about future projects and, and really thinking about that. Uh, we think podcasting, you know, it's okay that podcasting, the podcast itself isn't big enough that it doesn't necessarily need an adaptation, uh, but some of those bigger podcasts and some of the meat board being inside ones can become incredible like almost like you know the farm things for for other ip whether that's books animated shows uh, tv shows so we was with you smart and very bullish on that as are we yeah it's like there's one trend i wanted to ask you about just to kind of piggyback on that comment would be how do you see media companies both big and small approaching adaptations of the podcasting do you think this is an accelerate or where do you see the trend yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's one where we're well, very active and we, we actually have tried to develop a couple of podcasts for Nope. And one of the challenges is that um, the podcast, what, what, what is it that makes podcasting work is that it's in a relationship between the host and the audience. Um, and so you have to keep that in mind when you're adapting for TV that um, you, you're not going to have that for television. So the podcast adaptation has to be the DNA of the podcast, but actually something very different for TV because TV, you have in visuals, so you have to, you have to obviously go out and, and be much bigger. And so, uh, the thing that makes podcasting work so well, which is that very, it's a very relationship of the host walking you through a story. I mean, it's almost the opposite of what, what makes a television show work. Mm -hmm. And so don't try to say that the adaptations are possible, but you really have to think through how to take the DNA of broadcast and make it work for to tell me totally different media. I think that makes a lot of sense. Just one other question that I have, and certainly I meant to be audience might have is how do you create content that is meant to be consumed by kids, but also families as well? Sure. Yeah. When you think of podcasting, you think of that VR, you think a lot of different things, a lot of different formats. So I want to know like how you tackle this and how you navigate maybe unique Challenges and obviously also incredible opportunities. Yeah, I, I think it's another great question. I think Atomic, I go speak from our experience. Of course. I think we are, you know, people think of our shows very specifically the shows that are family trend-made, meaning that uh, parents will get a lot out of them, grandparents, but also kids. That was true for Randy, but that Geo, the brainchild, you know, all the shows we do. And our, our secret sauce is that no matter who we're making the show for, whether it's targeted adults or targeted kids, and we kind of, we try to speak to everyone as adults. And so... 
uh, who's smart it never sound like a kid show. We don't, and that's not to say it shows not sound that way and there's anything, so it's a judgment on that. But for us, we speak to the kids as, as adults. It's about means that, uh, you know, obviously the content barriers are very cool, they're very shit said. But, but we treat the kids as if they're, you know, they're aspiring to be smart teenagers, sharper young adults. And so, um, that does two things. Number one is it makes the kids feel really seen as, and, and the movie really heard that they want to be thick and vigor and they don't want to be spoken to as kids all the time. And then it also makes the content really friendly to brands and because, uh, the weird, weird speaking in a language that the parents are with. We also always throw in, uh, jokes for, for on that. So like, and, and, and parents always catch that. Like, it's like not, but nothing like, you know, it's all kids say stuff, but it's like a rep, like a, the cultural reference of sure. It's really, it's my bad. Just had, just to keep mom and dad at But I hear that. Cause I can imagine this content is consumed by the family. Yeah. So that's definitely important. Yeah. When you started this show, uh, obviously you need to play some time, the pandemic, which and the new last may or may not be over. Did you expect this to be this successful so quickly? Oh, no, no, absolutely not. No, we, we actually, so for us, who's worried was that us, us sort of, because it was a side project, for sharing helpful parents and families starting the pandemic. We knew so little about podcasting that it wasn't until a friend who, who has done some pretty good podcast, looked at our numbers, submarine and said, and was that you guys actually have like a pre big show, like you have a, a real thing here. And so we, we did not initially, uh, get into this to, to make a, 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 a really manufacture his show sure we were just trying to be helpful and the pat and then once we saw that it was and, and it kept growing and growing that's the way we're like oh this could actually be really cool business as well uh if it's been really packed whole show that's amazing it starts somewhere yeah so i have a random question uh if i'm wondering about it then sure the audience would also mind it's interesting my team members have told me that you're a collaborator more than once with pharrell williams did you speak to that sure yeah absolutely so, well, uh, we were introduced to Pharrell, uh, about a decade ago, and he was really interested in, uh, he just had a hit song or happy that was uh, really popular with kids. And he had, a uh, his, his son was, um, in that age range of like eight or nine year old, year old and tired. And he was really interested in helping expand a STEM education for kids. Cause it's a real problem in the United States, particularly that we don't, you know, talk about it a lot. We don't make it fun. And so. We had just finished doing great things for Nanjito, and we were starting to develop a show called Brain Child for uh, issues, Nickelodeon origin. And we talked to Pharrell about it. We met him one day in Hotel Fernando Pitsovo, and it ended up like hanging out for like two or three hours with him, just like talking about assignments and education and all this. And, you know, literally, we all have like he killed me. He had to go to Prince Church, and I was like, dude, you gotta go, man. Didn't get it. Didn't be late. And it was just like a real meeting of the minds and of like, uh, what kind of attack would and had and how, just also how we all think about creating and the content. Shark and so he ended up, um, Jermaine was actually a producer with us on Bright Child. Uh, he really helped the show made that she ended much the show, uh, and then it was supported and then that. Yeah, we kind of done a few credits with him since then as well. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah, he's great. And we left, we absolutely love working with him. And, and his creative director, Vini Valdez, has also just become a really close friend and, and collaborator. So that's yeah, it's an amazing, it's amazing. Yeah. So you may not know this. I'm waiting to, like, I don't know. But we actually have something in common in terms of uh, development and even distribution. Um, basically, you know, I think you know the partner of Dog Whisper Productions. 
and one of our biggest partners, at least for US Broadcast, was Nat Geo. Yes. So you have a long collaboration with them. Yeah. What's your viewpoint on not only working with Nat Geo, but maybe working with them since they've been part by this team? Yeah. So we, we had a great experience working with them on, on Brain Games. Uh, we, you know, it was a very show for them in that it was a, uh, this, at the time with the Rare for Nat Geo to have a show that was a voiceover driven there to start to do some reality stuff. And Brain Games was a show that was like, literally addressed to the audience and that was a very about much more of a, a, a pop culture show that sharply really depth but they got incredibly uh, behind it with their marketing and they you know people always say like wow how do you get you know have it ahead tv like one of the answers is you made a great show but the other half of that answer is the network has to get behind it sure okay uh with here on the marketing kind of amazing show it meant that doesn't go anywhere and so they were a great collaborator church production of the show marketing of the show uh we did like Seven seasons with Emily Bank of Brain Games. Uh, we've not actually worked with them since they were acquired by Disney, um, but we would follow work with them. They're, they're a great company to work with. Never say never. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Jerry, obviously, you could have worked with a lot of different podcast partners. Why didn't you choose Glass Ox, both in terms of, let's say, monetization and marketing? Sure. So, yeah, we have talked to a lot of different companies about uh, working on Who and other shows. Uh, what really impressed us about you guys was that you were talking about us as creators and collaborators, meaning uh, even even from the very beginning, you're talking about developing other shows. Um, also, you guys are a very high-touch organization, being that we feel like we're sticking to be decision makers. And you know, even if you're not necessarily mailable, some response to us very quickly. Uh, there was also the sense, even before we signed up with you, there was talk about plans and like really... Granular details, you know, a lot of companies will make a proposal to you and you can tell, like, it's just a template and they've basically come into the answer. And it really felt like you guys were um, understanding what we were doing with Usmerted, but also thinking about what we wanted to do outside Usmerted. Uh, and your deal was very fair. And uh, and we also really liked meeting you guys and hanging out with you, which goes a long way with us. So, you know, honestly, could the bluff, that's a huge piece of it. I'm glad to hear that. And you know, one other thing I wanted to share too is that as we've onboarded your show and tried to get tied it both in terms of marketing and monetization, I can't say we're surprised, but we've had an incredibly positive response from brands. And they let us know that it's very difficult to market to families and kids so they're careful as they should be. And more often times they decline rather than move forward. I want to know, basically, in your opinion, why gets your team and they've been smart to show in particular, been successful in making brands feel comfortable with working with it. Hmm. That's a great question. So, and I, th I think that speaks to just the fact that we've been doing uh, co-viewing on four quadrant entertainment for the last 15 years and, and making actually some of the most successful uh, iterations of that, uh, both for Netflix, for, for uh, Netgeo. Uh, we've also done it a lot with brands. So we've done, on uh, talk to talk as much about this, but we've done a lot of bread at work for company like General Electric, uh, IDM, Topgall, uh, Spotify, the Lumi Award for Blog, these, these places that are looking for family co-viewing uh, uh, branded or unique content. And so we've just been doing it for so long that um, we've gotten really good at it. But I think there's also a just an element with how we think about and telling stories is like we want to, we, we, we want parents to feel comfortable bringing their kids to learn about something even, and have a conversation start. We never want our content uh, for the family-friendly content to be something where a character has to feel uh, uncomfortable or awkward. So really just think about like, 
it's not so much about brand safety, but it's about what would we want if like parents or aunts or uncle, like sitting now with a, a six, eight or nine year old kid, what would we want to see? And what would we want them to see? And that's the culture we, we look we look through. And I think that just makes great shows and it also makes it very friendly for, for brands as well, because it's it's, it's, it's safe and friendly. I tend to agree with you. You know, one company I guess I'd have is this, you know, I'm definitely aware of Atomic's ability to do custom content, unique content, branded content for the world's biggest brands. But I did want to know if you, st- if you think who's smart in particular could be a platform for creating unique content or partnerships with brands under the right circumstances. And if so, how would you see that work? Sure. We will, they, we've actually died. And so the answer is yes. Yes. And look, we had our two never be part about this, but we did, uh, we would advertise a mouth science that we work with a lot. And now makes these amazing monthly science kits for kids that are subscription based. Um, obviously, you get a full size lap delivered to your home everywhere. And so our audience of kits, lunks, mouth science, look what they have to offer. Uh, and so we actually did a, an episode that was built around all sciences infinity that kit and we base it around banos and the marble universe but with with our trusting and they are uh at the heart of it having this kit builder and man uh it's simple well and most organic branded debris that are done these are just main total theater but it also came from you know a, a clear the desires of the brand is to be a bigger part of our show and our willingness to say yeah we're going to write you into in the episode and then make it work so um, for us, you know, the show can absolutely be a platform for, for red brands and red products. And then our, our, our families, our lists, our nurse, at least we call them, uh, respond very favorably to that. And they would feel like they're being advertised to because we're actually telling the story and creating an educational opportunity around the brand. So I guess that's the skill or the science dude, if you will. You have to integrate them successfully. That makes sense. Yeah, I felt like working. It is. Yeah, we'd love to be worried about it. As a way that's a bit yeah. we're on the same page. Jerry, thanks so much for coming in today. Really appreciate your time and of course your partnership. And I think the episode went really well. Hopefully the audience agrees. Yeah, but thank you. We're so happy to be working with you guys in all the class back team and, and you can check out Who's Smartin at Whosmartin.com or on Mentalic Esquire. That's right. Feel free to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, you name it. And if anyone out there is listening and they want to learn a little bit more about who's smarted. You might be a media buyer. You might be a brand. We'd be happy to have a conversation with you too at Glassbox. As always, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we hope to see you again next week.